0: Welcome to everybody. Welcome to Jedi Disruptions. These are dis- direct, crisp conversations with leaders on technology and science. Uh, my name is Andre Lezego Pietri. I'm the director of Jedi, which is the Joint European Disruptive Initiative, the European Initiative for Disruptive Innovation. And as you know, we're launching grand challenges on environmental, healthcare, digital, and also new frontier topics, means space and oceans. And today we are absolutely delighted to have uh, one of the stars of the tech uh, area in Europe, Florian Reuter, who leads uh, Volocopter. Uh, You will tell us everything about Volocopter, but this is a very, really household name. Uh, You're a key member of the deep tech ecosystem uh, based uh, based out of Germany, but most of it, you are on a plane or on a drone, you'll tell us. Uh, So without further ado, Florian, why don't we jump directly and tell us maybe on the broad picture What did this crisis teach us? I mean, what was the impact for you? But mostly, what are the learnings that we should take out of this incredible crisis? We are out or in still. So, Andrew, first of all, delighted to
1: be on your show. You know, uh, thank you very much for hosting me. Um, I forgot to say that you are a long-standing Jedi. So, I am great to have you for quite some time. Uh, Absolutely. So, you know, this long standing crisis, I think, you know, Corona really offers us an opportunity to reflect, right, on some of the developments we've seen uh, on the broader political scale as well as on a societal level with respect to, you know, what is important and what is not so important to us. And um, I think everyone has made his own very personal experiences over the past weeks. Um, but I've, I've, Come to value, you know, certain things in our society much more uh, now that we've gone through this crisis. Obviously, every business is also significantly impacted by Corona um, in 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 one f- shape or another. And you know, as a as a tech startup located in southern Germany, we are obviously also affected by Corona and thinking about what are the short term and the long term consequences Corona will have, um, and how will it you know shape our um, society and also business context going forward. Um, you know, for us, the most important one short-term was, you know, are we sufficiently financed, right? Luckily, we don't any, have any revenue to lose yet because we are still pre-revenue. So, you know, coming full circle now with our certification of our novel air vehicles. I love that. Um, it's a luxury not to have revenues, but
0: it's... It,
1: it actually is. If you're well financed, then that's, then that's a luxury to have. Um, but obviously, you know, we were most concerned uh, about whether we would lose momentum in our development. And uh, you know, we try to make sure, despite everyone being in home office, uh, you know, we have a, a strong um, inter, let's say, cross-functional team, right, of of hardware, software development, uh, systems engineering, all coming together. Obviously, we need a very intensive exchange. We need access to our labs. We need to conduct um, flight testing with our vehicles. Um, but I think we managed to actually get through this um, period of of corona-induced um, uh, lockdown. Quite well. We have a very young and um, smart workforce, so for all of us, it was very natural to move, you know, in, in, into virtual uh, meetings and all that. And we've made how, many,
0: how many people are you?
1: Um, we are 150 and continue to grow strongly. So from that angle, Corona actually is a big uh, opportunity because we are now getting to higher uh, profiles so much faster and so much easier that were difficult before. Uh, simply because of the crisis that the entire aviation, but also automobile uh, um, industry is going through.
0: Wonderful. So tell us, uh, good for Volocopter, obviously, the crisis and Tarleboro in in your industry. Um, Drones, air taxis, flying cars. Give us a sense of where the frontiers are and which are the ones that you are trying to break. So, you know, as
1: Volocopter, we started out with developing a revolutionary air vehicle, which is, All electric looks like a giant drone, right? Extremely safe because of the high level of redundancy we have, Um, and um, it's very quiet. So we expect it to achieve a a very high degree of public acceptance, right, for the operations even within cities, and that's where we also see the great the greatest potential for it. Many people now, you know, always have this um, view of the Jetsons in their mind when we talk about flying cars or air taxis. Um, I think it's going to be a while until we see such common Use of this technology, as as you know, illustrated in the Jetsons. Nevertheless, I think we are seeing the humble beginning of a whole new mode of transportation in its emergence, uh, in its um, in its nascency. And therefore, don't underestimate the impact air taxis will have on our cities in the midterm. Um, and I think most people don't realize on how far the technology has already come. And I think Volocopter has been a pioneer in that space. We're about two years from launching first commercial services. That's much sooner than most people expect. And also how far certification has come. So EASA, the European Union Aviation Safety Agency, has issued a whole new um, category for air vehicles such as the Volocopter um, last year, just last year. And we now have a concrete roadmap aligned with the certification agency on how to get to these uh, certifications that are required to offer these commercial services. So this is much closer than most people think, and we are really excited to bring this, you know, to the cities around the world within the next uh, two years, and then, you know,
0: scaling from the initial pilot cities. Yeah. So tell, I'm I'm going to push you on the technology side. Tell, tell us what what you particularly and what the industry, I mean, the, the your industry you're in has yeah. achieved, uh, be it on storage, autonomy. You talked about redundancy. Give us yeah. a bit of of uh, of the key building blocks that that you had to overcome and that are still in the next years to come? So I believe we
1: saw um, a number of technology trends that were necessary to really enable us to build air vehicles as we see them today. And that's not only true for Volocopter, but also for other projects around the world. Um, I think the first one is really um, you know, the, the ability to have a computer control a very complex airplane. Right? We've seen autopilots in the past, but if you look at what you know Airbus has been doing on the large commercial airliners, That it seems like, um, you know, I don't want to say dinosaur technology, but we've really implemented everything that was state-of-the-art into the volocopter, right? I'm sure you from Airbus will love to hear being called a dinosaur. But I think this is a paradigm that is difficult for the aviation industry and has been in the past because you were were required to make technology freeze at such an early stage that at the time that you went through the certification process, technology that you were bringing to market actually was already outdated. Mm -hmm. But you didn't have a chance to catch up on it because, again, you would have to go through the entire certification process. And this is something that I think the the certification agencies have understood, and they're trying to find adequate solutions for it. It's not trivial, but we're we're trying, right? And we're doing our best together. So hopefully, going forward, we would see much faster innovation cycles coming out of aviation in general. And I'm not blaming anyone, I'm just kind of explaining the way that we tackled this topic, because we are more coming from a tech background or a software-driven background rather than an aviation background, right? So there's a, a host of different technologies that are now being applied
0: to aviation. Let me put it that way. So the-, the, the commercial- of What's going on in the, in the car industry, where obviously also people coming from the software world had the capacity Absolutely. to actually update their operating system overnight, which took two or three years- Absolutely. Big, when he was Absolutely. fast. So it's the computing power, the ability to control, and
1: that in a very uh, uh, robust and redundant manner. Um, you know the 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 size, format, the, the 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 weight, but also the cost involved in all of that, right? To have that um, computing ability in a flying vehicle was all necessary prerequisites. Secondly, um, the energy density and um, um, power density of batteries. Yeah, uh, I think an air taxi that is. Um, you know, kerosene, fuel or something, would be unthinkable in the city of the future. So we very deliberately uh, took the decision that an air taxi can only fly electric. Otherwise, it will not be sustainable, it will not be allowed to scale. And therefore, we accepted the, the current limitations of battery technology and set out to build a vehicle and apply it to the right use case where we can accept existing state-of-the-art um, lithium-ion batteries. And um, again, we had to go over a certain threshold, but we have crossed that threshold now. We're now in a state where we can build a viable product, go through the certification processes with the existing lithium-ion batteries that we have. I think that's, again, true for the entire industry. Um, and this is certainly a field where we will you know, benefit tremendously in the application of our the market potential that we can bring our technology to going forward. So any advances... Uh, on that side, will be will be highly beneficial for our use cases, in our business. It's incredible
0: and, how much you talk. But please go ahead. Go Go ahead. And lastly, um, so you know, software,
1: batteries, and software, batteries, or computing power, software. That combination, batteries, and lastly, I think this plays into the computing power and software. But the ability to actually take out the pilot eventually and fly fully autonomous has a huge impact on our business and our cost position. Mm-hmm. And you know, the better our cost position, the Lower we can put in the prices, the, the the more cost competitive we are with other substitutes on the ground, which will really you know drive the use of of this uh, of air taxis. And um, there we are benefiting tremendously from the advances that we see on the ground, right in the in the cars. Yeah. So those are the three uh, key trends that we see there.
0: Which one are you trying to master? Which one are you trying to partner or outsource? I mean, it seems that the third one, you're trying to pick the best of uh, yeah. what, what is developing in, in in probably cars. So core in-house, we're focusing on um, the ability
1: to really control the aircraft in a robust and safe manner in order to also get over that certification threshold. On the battery side, we are way too small an application just yet to drive the development of new battery technology so that you know, we're piggybacking on the developments that we see on the uh, EV uh, um, electric vehicle side on the ground. And on the autonomy side, again, you can sink so much money on that. Um, I think we have a very unique position in the market. It's a very prospective market and therefore we're able to strike very significant partnerships on that. So for example, Intel and Micron you know, are two leading players in that field are uh, invested as shareholders in Volocopter. We have joined um, development projects on that. Um, and we are partnering with the likes of, of Honeywell or other startups that are focusing on the autonomy piece in order to kind of integrate existing systems into our Volocopter rather than focusing all of our you know, resource allocation towards the autonomy element. So that's
0: more a uh, partnering approach on the autonomy element for now. How much is the fact that you're based in Europe an advantage, or what are the challenges associated with it? I see both. It's a good question. Um, advantage uh,
1: definitely the, the very high level of um, certification quality that we have, right? Um, you can't buy your way into the market with an EASA. I think that's an important message that is very well respected all over the world. EASA, together with FAA and US, are the two leading regulation authorities uh in in the aviation space and therefore once we have the EASA certificate we will be you know able to serve the world market that's a huge benefit and actually the European authorities are tremendously supporting of this new sector in Volocopter in particular um because I think you know we're really playing by the rules and have created a lot of trust over the past years with them so that's a clear advantage challenges um yeah it's not trivial you know to finance such a capital intensive topic, uh, in the middle of, of, of Europe. Unfortunately, we do see that, you know, other players in China or the US find it easier to raise, um, these high amounts of capital. At the same time, you know, we've gained a lot of traction. We have a a stellar lineup of blue chip companies backing us. Um, so we're managing well and, um, Again, I would say it uh, is a bit more effort on our end than maybe some of the competitors that are directly based in Silicon Valley or Guangzhou. But apart from that, um, I see the advantages clearly outweighing the disadvantages.
0: Can we can we dig a bit deeper? Because often we hear, uh, yeah. and I don't want to have those who listen to us uh, stay on that impression that yeah, the Europeans are not able to take uh, as many risks. My my personal, very personal opinion on that is that actually the downside in technology is the same everywhere. But the upside in fragmented European market is totally different than the one you would have when you make it big in China or in the u s would you would you agree with that statement or is there is there a cultural element or a, 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 a true money issue a, a risk taking an adventurous mentality that, that mentality is so one in
1: in general, I would totally agree with you that having a, a large um, homogeneous you know accessible home market is, is a huge advantage for many companies that look to scale and start up the business. So yes, I think naturally companies in in the US or in China have a, a, have a, a market advantage per se. In our case I would differentiate a little bit more because aviation is particular and at least we have European aviation safety agency which is a, is, a, is an advantage in our case because at least it is harmonized across all of Europe.
0: Um, nevertheless I think in general your 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 statement is correct. So mm-hmm. would you have to do, redo things? I mean, once you are, for example, authorized to fly in Munich, yeah. uh, could you immediately go to Paris? I, I don't know if London is a good example or... or oh, perfect example. Or so, or et cetera. Or will there be other local steps and costs that you will need to do? Um,
1: so without wanting to dig too deep into details of the aviation certification, but there's three elements that we need from the certify in order to fly. It's one, the ability to design the vehicle, to build the vehicle, and to operate the vehicle. The design and build is regulated by EASA, so we're good on that, right? We can get that once and then we're good to go in all of Europe, Market on that. operate the vehicle. That's a local element. So there we need air operator certificates in all of the in countries individually. That's still a hurdle. If that could be more aligned, that would certainly also benefit our industry, definitely. So there are always some challenges left that a company
0: Operating out of China or the US would not have uh, at the outset. Florian, I mean, you talked a lot about regulators, and it's interesting to see that it's it's often uh, when you talk about fintechs, when you talk about uh, uh, many digital topics, when you talk about space, that and when you talk about GDPR, this is a good example where you have a strong regulator, but then comes the speed element, and 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 we all saw during this crisis that time is accelerating. So, what would be your experience and maybe solutions or recommendations of how can regulators that play such an important role because they're basically framing the market so it's 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 less and less a legal it's more and more almost a strategic tool and look at how the u s is doing that with NIST very clearly uh, but how do you make sure that that does not become a hurdle because you always the risk is always to be a couple of years too late. And and we hear, oh, we need a sandbox, but let's go beyond that. What what would you
1: suggest? It is a challenge, I agree. And I think, you know, I strongly believe in the need for strong regulators. Um, So, therefore, in general, I am accepting, you know, the way that Europe goes in many ways, be it on the aviation side or also, you know, the the, the, uh, um, example of GDPR. We just need to be aware that if we're too slow with adopting a perfect or an awesome solution, um, technology might be evolving so fast that it bounces back to Europe because it has an economic impact, it has a societal impact, people start playing with a TikTok or something of that sort without being aware of what's going on in the background, and then suddenly we find ourselves in a very defensive position against these developments and trends. And therefore, I think if we implement new regulation, we need to be aware of this will have an impact on the competitiveness of our business, both in the positive as well as in the negative. And in order to mitigate the negative, I think the regulator and the political actors behind the regulator need to acknowledge that they need to address these early on to make sure how do we support our businesses, cope with this regulation, so we can mitigate this negative effect. But they are clearly there, and I see them in many, many domains, including the ones that you mentioned. Um, so the, I, I think this is a challenge. I don't have a, a success recipe at hand, but I think having this awareness and then working together with the regulator and not seeing regulator versus business. That doesn't work. In our case, it doesn't work at all. And I see that willingness to cooperate, but often the regulator doesn't even know how to go there. So they actually need us to support them. And what is it that they need to think ahead, you know, a step further to kind of enable us to accept the regulation, but not suffer from, you know, competitive um, negative effects out of those regulations. That was a bit generic, but I think you know, we, we need to really take a concrete example to kind of
0: explain that uh, a more concrete. Very interesting. And and I make a call to somebody who is maybe listening to us, which is uh, Matthias Döpfner from uh, yeah. Springer, because he has been calling and, and we were completely uh, uh, saying the same uh, for, you know, pop-up regulation, which yeah. allowed you to say, okay, let's immediately give a framework, let's test it out, let's not do only sandboxes because the risk of sandboxes, they remain Small, for small, only for small children, and uh, if it does not work, we change it again. And the big be more flexible and and adapting. Yeah, that's true. The big question is how do you make that uh, possible in a democratic uh, context with you know the traditional lawmaking? But that's another question. We won't uh, we won't go into that. But uh, happy to bring on board on this kind of coalition. Uh, I want to ask you: Is there any big topic? in your field that we're not paying enough attention, be it on the technological side, be it on a societal impact of yeah. what you're bringing, because this will, I mean, Volocopter and 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 its uh, uh, competitors, if they succeed to be as good as you, uh, which we all doubt, right? Um, you will change the way we, we move around cities, especially, right? Absolutely, uh, and this I think is the thing
1: we, will, we, will, we are absolutely here to scale, right? We want to make this a ubiquitous transportation mode in any city that you travel to. And um, I think the number one concern I currently have is that everyone is betting on electric vehicles, you know, whether it's on the ground or in the air, but really I think we're paying not enough attention to, to the recycling of batteries. Um, we're investing into lithium-ion you know, batteries predominantly in such massive amounts But haven't really mastered to make sure that they come you know full circle are you know cradle to cradle and that really gives me a headache because we are also betting on the on the battery we're saying we can be operated sustainable which is absolutely true and we're here because we believe in that Um, but at the same time we need to solve what do we do with the batteries that are at the end of the life cycle at least for our application and second life is not the solution yet right so we need to really um, um, fully recycle them i know there's processes but we need to put them into industrial scale at a cost also that's acceptable. And again, there I think we need the regulator to play a part because right now this this hasn't been thought through and I'm yet to get a convincing answer on how we're going to solve it. I know technologically it's possible, but not at industrial scale yet and we need to get there very fast and we will need that and we benefit from that going forward. And I think, again, Europe has to play uh, uh, a leading role in this aspect
0: in this energy and this battery alliance that is pushed by especially germany france and i think sweden is also part of it now uh, and th- there is this recycling component but let's be a bit straight i mean your your feeling is that it's it's not completely thought uh, through yet i think uh,
1: you know very little people actually pay attention to this at this point everybody's like yeah Tesla is awesome, sustainable. It's not as long as you don't really recycle the battery. And I have yet to see an industrial process that does that at competitive cost. And I see that still as a a, um, great challenge for us as a society. And again, without the regulator, I don't think we're going to get there fast
0: enough. Be careful, Florian, because we might invite you to uh, the scientific committee of our battery uh, grand challenge because you talk about lithium, which is completely correct. Yeah. Uh, which also by the way is concentrated in the hands of a few countries yeah. you can have the same with the heavy metals especially cobalt cobalt raw earth materials all of that absolutely and cobalt just uh, as, a, as a data point uh, i knew that from before the crisis obviously now that there is much less car sales than it used to be we were running out of cobalt in 2023 with the current rhythm of electrification that is in 800 days so yeah well and i know go-
1: with- with cobalt we will be able to outdesign cobalt um but there's many more challenges in that space and those we need to master um, and I'm not naive Andre I know about the initiatives and you know I'm I'm, I'm happy to jump to jump in if we can also contribute And you know ultimately it's something we need as an industry so very
0: much embracing your your initiatives we'll take we'll take your your word on that may me, me to conclude um obviously this this whole sector is is uh, is is highly strategic uh, uh, it's about the future of mobility how do you as a european player um balance uh i would say the business aspect of things and uh, the the fact that that this sector of mobility and of uh, software and of flying okay. dynamics is actually uh, something which is playing a critical role Within our cities, within our transportation systems, and also within some also some 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 strategic infrastructure. I mean, how do you uh, and you have a very vast range of, of investors coming from all over the world. Exactly. I mean, how do the CEO manage this, and apparently with a lot of success. Look,
1: um, you know, we see that this is a technology that really is addressing a challenge that is that is prevalent all over the world. So we clearly target the world market, and uh, we see we are very uniquely positioned. So we, we see a chance to really position us as the dominant player in this new emerging market going forward. And therefore, we want to bring this technology to you know, any city, any mega city around the world. And in order to do that, you know, we need to be make sure that we're not politically corrupted in any way, right? If you get into the, the likes of Huawei and so on, that's the sort of discussions you don't want to have. We want to build trustful, transparent relations uh, in, 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 let's say, any geography, ideally. I think our shareholder base already um, gives a strong signal of that. Um, We have Micron, Intel from the US that I mentioned. We have Daimler in Germany, DB Schenker now uh, on our logistics, um, Volodrome business in China. We have Gili invested in us in Japan, Japan Airlines, Mitsui, Sumitomo Insurances, Sampo Insurances. So I think we're already very vastly distributed. And um, we have those partners because we believe in their local home markets as well. And we believe that together, locally, we can be successful. And, you know, this is the spirit that used to be normal about five years ago. And the world, you know, really went into turmoil, right? At least for the past four years, I would say, without going into more details. And um, hopefully we will get back into that spirit because the trends that we currently observe are so politically motivated and they're really worrying because ultimately, I think, we as a human race benefit from technologies being distributed in a, in, a, in, a, in a fast manner around the globe, rather than keeping them into individual countries and limiting the access to markets. So, you know, we will play our part in getting back to what used to be normal.
0: Well, on these very wise words, Florian, it has been, we could have continued on and on. Uh, I want to thank you very much. It was super insightful. We are very happy to have you on board also on, on, on JEDI. So for those who are listening to us, don't don't forget to follow us on twitter at eurojedi subscribe our podcast we will you will see again the uh, uh, the this this uh, this uh, show with with Florian Reuter of uh, Volocopter and uh, we'll see you uh, on the next jedi disruption and stay well florian and fly well and we look forward to welcome you on board of Volocopter very soon thank Great. you very much we're looking forward to it bye 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 andre